And the Oscar goes to... time you say old sport you use a you lose a year off your life should we should we try to um use the word old sport as much as they used it in yes. the movie which was 55 times, 55 times i was yes. just gonna say i'm like that was so many times like, so, so many times 50. they did old say sport. it they said it a lot and, and all like but four of them of are them? leo all That's but four it. are leo what if he just charged by the old sport? He was, he's like, it will be $10,000 per old sport. <laughs> like that guy who charged per bee sting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, and like, you have to consider the fact that um, society at large, I feel like, has to say old sport more. I think we should be saying old sport more, you know, in general. Do we? Yes, no. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't agree. It's a gender neutral term. <laughs> I don't agree with old sport. So it calls it's the me 20s. old sport. It's the 20s. We could say old sport again. This has gotten so off the rails. Um, Welcome to Blessed Picture, a podcast where we explore underrated off the wall movies we think are Shelly Blessed. Um, I am your host, Shelly Mooring. I'm your other host, Sky Payne. And this week we're continuing our summer movie series. And because like Lord, we are waiting for that green light. We're talking about Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby from 2013. Yeah, putting me off the wall in the in the, in the off of the wall in our intro. Oh boy. Um, and joining us to talk about this movie um, is a person who I think is the only person in history to say the phrase "by cuspids deep in a beignet." <laughs> Returning guest, friend of the pod, Sandra Bullock Gustan, <laughs> Maggie Vincent. I didn't think I could be exposed more than the first time. <laughs> Welcome back, Maggie. Thank so you. happy to have you back. This was, was this before or after? Did I say this before or after I laughed into my beignet? And sprayed powdered sugar all over It was after <laughs> because you got the powdered sugar all over the table. I believe I said something about it looking like Stephen King's writing desk in the 80s. You did. Um, <laughs> oh, and I said, don't make me laugh when I'm by cuspids deep in a beignet. Yeah. Um, if it makes you feel better, I, when I was in New Orleans, I woke up the next morning with beignet dust just all in my purse, just covering <laughs> everything. <laughs> Beignet dust is the the sand of Louisiana. Yeah, <laughs> it really it is. Just it's everywhere. pervasive. It gets everywhere. Anakin doesn't like it. You know, hates it absolutely. Hates it, absolutely hates it. Um, I guess we could talk about the blessed movie of the week before we get too off the rails here. Yes, I said that kind of dejectedly, but I'm you not did. dejected. You should about like the go movie. in with like I almost said pomp and circumstance. Like, <laughs> I mean, usually I feel like it's like me who introduces blessed movie of the week. So you don't even do it, but you, you took the rails this time. Um, would you like to go first? Yes, of course. Because that means I get to talk about the green Knight immediately, Mm -hmm. man, what a time 
What a picture. What a time. What a picture. I went in at 3.40 on a Friday afternoon. And unfortunately, there were people in the theater. I would have really preferred if there was no one because I had a lot of things I wanted to say out loud. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, um, The Green Knight uh, met my expectations. I had a great time. Now, do I know anything about Arthurian legend? Absolutely not. Don't ask me really what was happening. Don't ask me questions in general, but really don't ask me about that. Um, I, I had the general gist of what was happening. I also did a, a light Google, a light Goog before I watched. So that helped. Um, I will just say this. It is wild. It is really good. It's very meditative, very hypnotic. Um, it, I would compare it to how I felt watching um, the scene in A Ghost Story, also directed by David Lowry, um, where Patricia Rooney Mara ate a pie for the first time in a very long, uninterrupted take. I don't know how long the take was. I think it was probably around five minutes. And you just watch her eat pie. And there's no reason to watch her eat pie for this long at all. I mean, she was depressed and she was she just wanted to eat some pie, I guess. But there's I, no reason I, for me to watch like a two-minute monologue of Alicia Vikander talking about the color green, but but I loved it. it's but here's the thing though that thrill that I experienced watching her eat that pie because she never had a pie before which I still don't believe her um was sustained through two hours of film right Dev Patel is very good in it absurdly good absurdly hot has a great he's, profile he's a beautiful man beautiful just stunning ugh, I'm obsessed with him I've been obsessed with him since skins I he is just he is a person who has only gotten hotter with age. Yeah, correct. Obsessed. And like, you know that David Lowry is looking at him and thinking, he's hot. Everyone's in love with him. I'm in love with him. I'm going to make that very clear in this movie because like, he looks incredible in all of it. It doesn't matter how dirty he was. I was willing to risk it all, right? You know, and I, Alicia Vikander is actually, well, there's a caveat to Lisa Vikander's performance. She does uh, she does two parts in the movie. And the first one, not, mm, I compared her, I believe, in a chat with uh, a friend of the pod um, to <laughs> Chad, to Nassim Pedrod in the show Chad, where she plays like a 13-year-old boy with like a little wig on, like. <laughs> The wig was bad. The wig was the bad. The wig was bad. It was short. It was bad. And she also kept saying, lady. <laughs> I watched your Instagram story where you kept saying it. Yep. I was like, why was she saying it like that? She said I, it like that I, multiple times. I watched times. the movie and I was like, I don't know why she's saying it like that. It was very strange. Now, the second half of the movie, the other character she played, very good. I thought she was incredible. I thought she was great. I was like, wow, am I actually liking Alicia Vikander? Am I going to become a stan? I was like, what is this, right? And she, she's incredible. She and Joel Edgerton, who's in this movie, um, The Great Gatsby, are really great. And they both have gigantic, we're looking for a third energy. And I'm, I mean, I'm available if they would like to be a throuple. I'm, I'm available. And I mean, like, how do you not look at Dev, at Dev Patel and think... I'm looking for a third, you know, <laughs> like at that point, but it's good. It's beautiful. Visually. I like the score a lot. Very haunting. 
and also the special effects fucking rocked like the green knight that makeup wild like i think i'm just so used to the cgi shit that i'm like shaken to my core when there's something practical and good at this point the color grading beautiful i loved that movie a lot lot of great fonts too so many good fonts i was like damn i need to go through adobe cloud right now and look at the font packs a great uh graphic designer's dream honestly (laughs) um but yes go see it go see it in a theater yes um also the audience score on is terrible. Rotten Tomatoes is um, misleading. Don't don't believe it. Honestly, I just don't go and expecting Game of Thrones and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I saw it at a theater where two people decided to bring like three of their children all under the age of eight, no. which was a choice considering it's very sexual and like very uh, not for kids. There's a literal <laughs> shot in it. So yes. No like, one hangs dong, but there's a... But there's... Shot. You see the substance. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, wild. I just wish you um, heard the children be like, Mom, what's that? Literally, we were like, do these children know what this is? Maggie, what is your blessed movie of the week? <laughs> well, okay. Okay, okay. So I was... Two, two big things. I don't watch a lot of movies, Two, I was camping all week, so I had no signal, so I couldn't, like, watch. And so it's, like, Wednesday, and we're recording on a Saturday. I'm like, oh, my God, wait. I haven't watched anything but Murder, She Wrote in the last two weeks. (laughs) So I was, because I'm camping, I'm like, oh, I'm going into town anyways so I can answer my emails. So I go to an undisclosed town in Texas because that's where I'm camping. <laughs> and I go to a bookstore, not a bookshop, a coffee shop. And I got weird vibes, but I know they have Wi-Fi. I walk in, picture this, nondescript gray walls. <laughs> Bible verses everywhere. No. On each table is a little trifold that says Sunday breakfast, 9.33. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. And I look at the website on the trifold. This coffee shop is run by a church. (gasps) (laughs) It's a coffee shop for the Lord. (laughs) Coffee shop for the Lord. Jesus turned water into wine, not coffee. And it's I, probably like, run by those boss babes who are like, I run on Jesus, something or other, and coffee. And have they're, a sign that says gather in their kitchen. Yeah. They're all like those college kids that you know were like in crew, like when you were in college. I This was a college town. This had like a very nondescript name, which I should have known. That's when I should know. Yeah. I will not give the name so that they cannot track me down. I did give them my email so I could use the Wi-Fi. (laughs) What if they're tracking you like Scientology? I hope so. Oh my God. But I did because I needed to download a movie, right? But I'm also kind of freaked out so I'm not thinking straight. So I just, I go to Netflix. What can I download? I'm like, first movie. I'm just going to download the first movie. Oh no. So I downloaded Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh, Okay which was I watched fine. this yeah yeah, yeah. very fine 
yeah so so i'm like desperately trying to get this thing to download ask like waiting for like the missionaries to come in the room and <laughs> ask me to save my soul or something like that um and that night i get back to my campsite I, i'm cooking i'm doing my thing i'm like i'm gonna sit down and watch this movie and i start i hear little like thumps thump, thump, thump. i'm like what's going on and then something hits me i'm like <laughs> And it's part of a pine cone. I'm like, a pine cone done fell from the sky. <laughs> and I start noticing there are just little bits of pine cone falling. <laughs> and there's a squirrel up in the tree above me. <laughs> just <laughs> dropping pine cones. Stripping a pine cone and throwing down the refuse. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a better movie than Gunpowder Milkshake. <laughs> And so overall, gunpowder milkshake, fine. Fine. Uh, yeah. The whole experience around it, iconic. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that, like, more important. My, yeah. my letterbox review of this was like, was this movie good? No, but like, were the set pieces fun? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of sums it up, I think. I haven't even mm-hmm. seen it, and that seems to be the vibe from all the yeah. trailers. Yeah. Your experience watching it, much here. <laughs> oh. We also forgot to mention something, Sky. What did we forget to mention? Father, son, house <laughs> Gucci. Oh my gosh. I, okay. Uh, this, I, I just want to bring this up really quick because I think this is very pertinent to the content of this podcast. I was watching Drag Race, but I also had the Olympics on in the background on the TV. I was watching Drag Race on my laptop. And all of a sudden, I just see the House of Gucci. I knew it had dropped on Twitter, but I was like, I'll just wait till the episode's over, whatever. And then it's on the TV. So I have to stop. Like, I have to like take my headphones out. I have to like fully devote my time and energy to it. And I was caught unawares. I was not prepared. Like I was, I thought I was prepared because those set pictures, I mean, like Lady Gaga shoving a pastry down Adam Driver's throat. Like I thought I was prepared. No. I cook it a meatball. That's what this movie is giving me. I read the script and I wasn't prepared, right? I was in a yoga class and I came back and like 40 minutes after the trailer dropped and I have a million text messages and my (laughs) Twitter was playing up and I was like, what is going on? And I sat in the parking lot. I truly sat in the parking lot and watched the House of Gucci trailer. And then like my friend like texts me the next morning because like he asked me to get him something and I fully ignored his text. Like I read it and I was like, House of Gucci is more important. And I had to shamefully <laughs> text him. I'm so sorry I forgot to send that to you yesterday. I was watching the House of Gucci trailer. I've only seen the clip of Lady Gaga being like, where is she like Bravo or something like yeah, that? Yeah. That's all I've seen. <laughs> yeah. But I loved it. It's incredible, especially compared to the last Duel trailer, which to me, all I, I watching that and I'm like, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck look fucking ridiculous. This movie is going to be so ass. silly. It's going to be terrible. House of Gucci, I'm like, this movie's going to be ass, but I'm going to have a fun time. Exactly. Yeah. It's like way more entertaining. Like, I'm like, is it, is it not enough for a movie just to have Adam Driver and Lady Gaga being like hot and having chemistry? Like, that's all I'm in it and for. And sounding like Waluigi, like... <laughs> Her I'm accent, really. Father, it's, son, and the house of Gucci. Listen, that's how I'm going to sound after watching all of The Sopranos, watching The Many Saints <laughs> of Newark, and then watching House of Gucci, like back to back. I'm just saying, I'm going to start saying mozzarella, you know, just like casually yeah. out of the blue. 
Because I am now like Giada de Laurentiis, you know. I was I mean? just gonna say you're gonna be like Giada overpronouncing all the like, and yeah. we're gonna make a nice salad and then it will have mozzarella. <laughs> yeah. Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> I could get a pizza. I could get a pizza. And listen, we're not being um racist against Italians because listen, Sky is Italian. <laughs> I'm getting my Italian passport in a few short months, baby. <laughs> I well. will be cooking the pizza. <laughs> yes, I cooked the pizza. Yes, I cooked the pizza. <laughs> okay, we gotta talk about the Great Gatsby. About that, um, I didn't even do my blessed movie of the yeah, week. But you just- oh, you did! I forgot. <laughs> no, I straight in. But you, but also you talked about the Green Knight, so I just assumed you were like saying also um, it was your blessed movie of the week. It, it is, but I would like to just. Um, there's a quick movie. It's very short. We love an 86 minute runtime. Um, it's called It Should Happen to You. It's from 1954. Um, it's basically this girl who is like trying to be an actress and model, but she's like not good at it. And she's like, nobody knows who I am. So she buys this like giant billboard in Columbus Circle and just puts her name on it. So people will be like, who's Gladys Glover? <laughs> And it's just like about her trying to get famous and like it's really funny. I had a great time. Honestly, icon behavior right there. I was like, this I is like big it. Leo season energy. Like, yeah. Put your name out there. Put your name out there. And you know what? Sort of worked for her. Very Nomi Malone um in what was the show called again? Goddess. Yes. <laughs> that before, which they spent all that money in our money on and the Nomi Malone is like I'm leaving I have to <laughs> they go. were like okay so we'll just consider that a sunk cost I guess um much <laughs> like all the Nomi sunk was, costs was of like great of Gatsby throwing all these parties to get Daisy's attention the worst such a sim. worst segue I've ever done in my life it's it's fine <laughs> it's fine a little party never hurt nobody killed nobody. nobody whatever the hell killed nobody <laughs> that soundtrack was when I say the grip that that soundtrack had on me, oh, unparalleled, unparalleled. Every party in college that year. Have I told this story? I would say my senior year of high school when I was dancing, um, our theme that year, because it was an anniversary year, was just like dancing through the years. So like there was like dances that were more future oriented, current hits and then past, you know, themed kind of dances, right? So for our tap, we did a great Gatsby themed 1920s sort of tap number, right? And so we did Crazy in Love. We did A Little Party Never Killed Nobody. There was another song in there that I cannot remember at this exact moment. But so I'm doing the dance. Everything's going great. It's recital having the time of my life I slip like I fully like go like I do one of those where you like kind of throw your arms up a little bit but I catch myself and I'm like okay hopefully nobody saw that and it was just a transitional moment so it wasn't like it was like everybody was doing the exact same thing and I looked like an idiot right I'm like okay nobody saw it. it's fine whatever I get the recital dvd that year <laughs> I'm like oh can't wait to watch tap hit play it's the first number I swear to fucking God, the camera <laughs> zoomed in on me at the exact moment 
moment that I slipped and I will never forget it. So, so anytime I hear that crazy love cover, that is all I can think about is me being publicly humiliated. You have war flashbacks. It's traumatic. <laughs> I, um, I, I told the story on the podcast when Christina came on, but when I saw this movie in theaters, I was blackout drunk from... <laughs> Well, I had taken an edible beforehand and then we brought wine in to our, in our purses and like a spread of snacks and I got blackout drunk and I remembered, I didn't remember this movie. I couldn't have told you anything that happened, any specific performances. I remembered nothing. And then I watched it and I was like, you know what? I think we were all really hard on this movie. Yeah, we were. Not me because I enjoyed it, but the general we i was appropriately hard on this movie <laughs> yeah because yeah, I, I stand by what i thought in 2013 I, <laughs> I asked maggie i was like maggie do you like the great gatsby movie and first of all you were like which one and i was like well the new one not the old one and then you were like no but i will talk about it <laughs> yeah i mean well so it has something going against it which is fundamentally that if I had to pick between 1970s Robert Redford and any version of Leonardo DiCaprio, Leo DiCaprio is not my type. I understand it, but I don't want it. I do think that, <laughs> I, I do think like one of the biggest things this movie is that both him and Tobey Maguire have seen smartphones and I do not buy them <laughs> being in 1920. I do not either. I... I will say, I think even though Leo in some sense feels a little miscast just because of that, I think he gives a good performance. That is what I will say. Tobey Maguire, on the other hand, gets lapped by every fucking actor in this movie. He's horrible. He's the worst part of it. I do feel like kind of bad for him because like, I don't. He has boss I mean, baby money. That's but like it's just like so Spider Man money. <laughs> that too. It's like he's just so far and all the poker money. Let's be real. Oh yeah, Player X and Molly's game, everybody. Yeah, he just he's so it's just like abysmal compared to everyone else. Like it's like so depressing to watch just him yeah. like really try and he's trying so hard. He so really hard. is, but everyone else is just acting circles around him. And oh, you're yeah. like, buddy. He, yeah. He really, the only credit I will give him is that there are moments where his awkwardness does work because it's like, he's being placed in an awkward situation. So it's like, he is acting appropriately. And it's like, and those moments I feel like, yes, he's actually acting, but then it's like, sometimes that can get a little too cutesy or a little too silly and it doesn't really work. And then it does get better in the second half of the movie, mostly because he doesn't really talk as much. Like that's when Gatsby yes. becomes like the main character and he's just kind of like there, like yeah. obsessing over him and not really like, but like not talking too much. Cause all we care about that at point is like Daisy and Gatsby and their whole thing they yeah, have going on. He does on. like fade into He's just the there. Yeah, he's he's just present, but he's not really doing anything, which is good. I mean, considering how detrimental he is in the beginning. I mean, to begin with, his voiceover from minute one, like I was like, maybe I kind of misjudged Toby McGuire in this movie, whatever. Because I hadn't seen it in a while. No, he did not. The voiceover from minute one, I'm like, this is bad. This is detrimental. I just, this is horrible. I, I would like to talk to Boz Lerman and be like, 
couldn't you have done like a gossip girl scenario and just like had somebody else do the voiceover or something like when you heard this and the frame story doesn't even exist in the book he's not in a sanitarium yeah why <laughs> why that's like this Long is a catcher in the rye. He wanted it to be catcher in the rye or something, and it ends up being a little woman, a little women moment because he ends up writing the book, The Great Gatsby, at the end. It is very strange. Uh, they also made it less gay, even though this movie is True. still pretty gay. Pretty. Gay. I still one of my notes still is Nick really wants Gatsby's dick so, so badly. It is not as obvious as it was in the written material. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah, no. But it is funny though, because when I looked at like the key changes made, one of them that they listed was, he flirts with Jordan Baker, but unlike what happens in the novel, he's too smitten with Gatsby to notice her. (laughs) So there was, I guess, some effort there. It also doesn't help. I mean, it also helps in that case because, like, yes, Tobey Maguire is not a good actor in this movie. He's horrible. But him and Leo, I mean, they are foundational members of the Pussy Posse. So yeah, like, they do have like some like chemistry, regardless, like friendship based, and we can read into the text that it's kind of gay. I honestly, I did write at one point: Is this an inside look at the Pussy Posse? Honest, I I feel like I have something about the Pussy Posse as well. Which it's so it's so weird to me that like looking at like the casting history for this like it just says like Toby Maguire was cast like th- all of yeah. the other characters there were besides like Leo there were like all of these people were auditioning and he was just like cast yeah <laughs> he could not be anyone's first thought <laughs> it's just so wild to me like I would love to know who is actually on the docket do you think. Because Nick is such a nondescript character. Mm-hmm. Do you think they just forgot? And then they were like, <laughs> yeah, they were like oh my God, wait, we forgot to cast Nick. Who can we get? Who can we get? Oh, Leo's <laughs> friends with Toby. Yeah. We'll just, yeah, he's walking, yeah, he's actually I, visiting. It has, like, to, it has to be that like Leo was like, oh, my friend is available. Yeah, because what else was he doing at this point? Like nothing. Like this is like when his career really starts to wind down because he hasn't done anything in a hot minute, right? Like Boss Baby was like his last credit, but he didn't even do the sequel. And let me, I would like to read to you all of the actresses that were Oh, auditioning. I have something to say about these. For Daisy. For Daisy. Amanda Wild. Seyfried. Kira Knightley. I think, wait, I think, I think Amanda could do it. She'd be too young. Amanda could do it. Amanda could have done it. She could do it. Rebecca Hall. Blake Lively, Abby Cornish. No. Who, again, Mm-mm, I no. don't remember anything about what she looks like. She is out of my brain. That's Michelle Williams, Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson pulled out after because of her commitment to, to Wee Bot a Zoo. <laughs> she had to go buy a zoo. She had to, she had to purchase a zoo, and then we got Carrie Mulligan who we finally got her after she auditioned for like Amy Pascal, iconic, why are you, you punishing me? Did you also mention Eva Green, Anne Hathaway, and Olivia Wilde? No. Oh, and Jessica Alba. Forgot about Jessica Alba. Now, let me say, I, the problem with half of these is that one, no. Two, they're Jordans. They're not daisies. Yes. yes. 
like Amanda, I think could have done it. She's a little too young. Michelle Williams could have done it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then I think maybe Anne Hathaway, if I really have to stretch, maybe, but like, it would be a very she different probably, performance. It would be very different, but she could have done it. And maybe Rachel McAdams, maybe Rachel McAdams. The rest, I would say Rebecca Hall is a Jordan. Rebecca Hall is a Jordan, no question about it. I would say that Eva Green is a Jordan. She's a Jordan. Blake Lively is a nothing, (laughs) but if she was, she would be a Jordan. Olivia Wilde is a Jordan for sure. And Scarlett Johansson would be a Jordan, but she's too famous to be a Jordan. So she wouldn't be a Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, mean. And then all of the men who wanted to be Tom. Okay, Ben Affleck was originally cast. And then Can Argo, we talk about that? And then Argo, we fuck vomit. yourself. Argo, fuck yourself, right. I, I, to me, Ben would have ruined this movie. Like I, and that's hard to say because Toby already would have been ruining the movie anyway. I just yeah. can't imagine him existing in the 1920s. No, right. It just like, it does not compute. Now- the other men who were in contention as well were Bradley Cooper, which I don't really, maybe. I mean, his like wedding crashers role kind of has that Tom energy. So yeah, sure, maybe. But still a little weird. Luke Evans could have destroyed the shit out of this. He Luke Evans could have been fucking great. I love Luke Evans. I think he's he very talented. Great. He could have done it. I mean, he's not that far away from Joel Edgerton. I think that's No, he, he and Joel Edgerton are pretty much like this on the same market level. They are- They're equals. going for the same stuff kind of. I think I'm sure Joel, Luke Evans was sad not to book the Green Knight. Yeah. <laughs> I think if anything, Luke Evans is slightly more commercial and Joel gets the more indie sort of yes. rep, I think, out of the, the two of them. Um, I mean, Joel Edgerton could have been in Ma. <laughs> but he wasn't. It all comes back to Ma. It all it always comes back to Ma. All roads lead back to Ma. Now this is a galaxy brain take. I would say Ben Affleck would be terrible in this movie. I think regardless, but his Bruce Wayne is kind of good. I'll give him that. He could have maybe done Gatsby. I I mean maybe in a really bad movie, but like he could have. He was kind. He was kind of good as is this Bruce Wayne, and I hate to say that. But it's kind of true. Wait, can we remake Gatsby where he is Gatsby and Daisy is JLo? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> no questions. No, He's yeah, like, absolutely. I just want, he said, I just want that ass back. Like, that's. <laughs> it's the eternal chase for JLo's ass. Is, life is not, time is not a flat circle. Time is a fat ass. Like, that's what. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Green light it right now. Like, I, I, no notes. Not, no notes. <laughs> absolutely no notes. They could that, set it on a yacht. The they could put it on a yacht. Yeah. I mean, it's really. like when, um, what's his name? Titanic Man? James Cameron? Thank you. It's like when he, like, isn't there like the rumor that for when he pitched aliens, he just wrote it, he wrote aliens. A dollar sign? Yes, with a dollar sign. Yes. That's yes. me pitching. That's <laughs> that's me going time is a fat ass <laughs> dollar sign yeah wait the great the great geely <laughs> how dare you <laughs> this is chaos chaos now, now i'll speaking, write it speaking of chaos um 
I just want to say the tagline. So I just want to mention this really briefly because I was looking at the IMDb. Now, I don't know how accurate these taglines are for this movie, but they're deranged. Only in the fact that they are not taglines. They're just they're, quotes from the movie they that they've tagline. tried to make taglines. So first of all, can't repeat the past. Of course you can. That one kind of works. It's a little snappy. It kind of works. It's a little zingy. Not perfect. Reserving judgments is a matter of infinite hope. Dot dot dot. I come to the admission that it has a limit. That's not a tagline. It's Who not, put that's, this? What that is, is this? such a long tagline? Quote unquote. Oh, wait, it gets worse. It gets worse. That's the best thing a girl can be in this world. A beautiful little fool. How does that apply to the whole movie? It doesn't. It only applies it to Daisy's situation. It doesn't make that's sense Taylor for the entire Swift. movie. Taylor Swift wrote care- that one. Yeah, they were careless people. Tom and Daisy. These smashed up things and creatures in the retreat. <laughs> retreated back into their money or their vast carelessness why would you put that that wouldn't work as a tagline that's like the plot so long it's like J.R. tolkien is writing taglines he's like yeah. they're gonna be eight pages <laughs> like who and- oh it gets worse another one there was an immediately perceptible vitality about her as if the nerves of her body were continually smoldering what that's not a- what they're talking about her being horny like you hate to see it and the last one, I've just heard the most amazing thing, dot, dot, dot. And here I am tantalizing you. Is this striptease? What is this? Like, what did That they, one assaulted my ears. What did they want this movie to be? Like, this is my question. I, this movie, there are really, really good parts of this movie. And then there are parts that I'm like, Boz, I know that you were trying to do something with like a 3D moment here, but like, mm-hmm. could we have taken like one step back while making this? Just one. Well, and that kind of ties into my whole thing. So this movie is kind of wild because it is a movie, it's in a movie. It's based on a book that we have all read like in high school for English class, right? So it's like this literary classic. We all know it. Everybody knows the symbols. Everybody knows the characters. Like, yes. Is it necessarily that cinematic on a surface level? There's parts of it that I think could translate well, right? Yes. Obviously why they've tried to remake it several times. Um, But it's also kind of funny because rather than make it like an art house sort of prestige movie they went full blockbuster with this like mm-hmm. and full. and went full full blockbuster not just in the making of it but in the marketing in the marketing of the soundtrack of everything they went full balls to the wall like this is a summer movie everyone's gonna go see it and it worked and it ended up making i believe uh, $353.6 million. It is the highest grossing movie that Baz Luhrmann has ever made, outgrossing Moulin Rouge. Um, Which is crazy. It's, it's unbelievable, honestly. And that's just what's so funny to me is that this is a movie that I think could have been positioned as an awards favorite, but instead they went, no, this is your summer movie, baby. I, I feel like maybe Boz like found out that like in freshman English Romeo plus Juliet is really really popular and he said I need something for the sophomores as well (laughs) I was just gonna say that he Boz Lerman terrorized the first half of my high school experience (laughs) because I read Romeo and Juliet and then our teacher made us watch that and I didn't know who Boz Lerman was so I was like cool it's gonna be Romeo and Juliet I was like what the fuck is happening yeah and then sophomore year I see this movie and I'm like again 
what is happening? What is going on? I demand recompense. <laughs> and it's funny because I do actually think that Baz Luhrmann, obviously, because he did Romeo and Juliet, which is a very interesting adaptation that I like a lot. And I think actually works I haven't seen for what it, it in is. forever. I haven't seen it in forever. I think a lot of it really does work. And I mean, it is technically one of the more faithful adaptations in terms of delivery and, Mm -hmm. you know, how it tells the story, right? Um, And to me, I think in a sense, at least on paper, him doing The Great Gatsby is actually really interesting because his entire aesthetic is just excess and exuberance and drama and soap opera and it's everything. And in a way it does work sometimes for the material Mm -hmm. in a way, like when we're looking at the parties, I mean, and people have like problems with that. They're like, well, this is glorifying the parties. And I'm like, the idea is that they are living in a time of pure excess. Everything's really crazy. And like Gatsby has all of this going on and he's the most lonely the most lonely loser in the world right and like they're gonna have a gigantic crash at the end of the decade like it makes sense to me and like not to be the person be like well if you read the book but it's like that's the critique yeah like that is the point and people were like in the marketing they had people have these parties yeah really like that was the problem it's the people watching it that have the issue here it's not necessarily Baz Luhrmann himself who doesn't understand that I mean considering he's basically like look at the valley of ashes look how gray it is like literally the entire time you're watching it but like also the human story like it's kind of boring like if you really think about it it's just this like rich weirdo who like doesn't have any friends who's obsessed with Daisy yes and just is like I'm desperate to date her and like get back with her and like all this stuff because he's just in love with the idea of her and what she represents and what she means, right? But like, how is that an interesting, like how on, like that necessarily, that doesn't necessarily make the most interesting movie on face value. And it's also part of the reason why the 1970 movie is incredibly boring because right. it takes the movie or it takes the book so literally and doesn't do any sort of real adaptation to it. It just is like, here's the book literally translated on the screen. Enjoy your two hours and like, that's it and this movie goes the opposite direction and it just it takes what's in the book and then translates it through the Baz Luhrmann lens and in some ways it works a lot in some ways it doesn't I like that he got it kind of gets a little soap opera with it you know yeah it's kind of it's really it's a fun to watch like I love the opulence the it like right it got the Oscars for production design and for costume design and which is why absolutely deserved it's like stunning to watch every the colors in this movie it's so gorgeous it's beautiful to watch also his wife is the one who designed the costumes and helped with the art direction the production design absolute queen and she is now technically the most decorated australian in oscars history because she has won four oscars working with him both wow. in Moulin Rouge and this. So good for her. Good for Catherine Martin. Um, also Prada and Miu Miu. That's where a lot of the costumes come he from. He hasn't won an Oscar. His wife no. has, has won. His wife is winning. She is winning. And that he is just, but he supports it. women. Yeah. yeah. He just supports women. He just loves he women so much. He loves his wife. He's a wife guy. I will say I was disappointed um, in that I was like, wait, what does their house look like? way more boring than I thought yeah I was like 
Mm, I expected more from these two crazy kids. <laughs> <laughs> two crazy kids. I yeah. It's I get so that. funny to me. Also, it's so funny to me that they like filmed this in Australia. Oh, why do you think every single fucking working Australian actor is in this movie? <laughs> That's true. But oh, didn't yeah, they make Elizabeth it- Debicki audition in LA? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was the it was the first time she'd ever gone to the United States. Also, like, thank you, Boz Larman, for like introducing the world to our tall queen Elizabeth Debicki. Oh, we are all yes. the better for it. Yes, and are. she is tall in this movie. Six three. Like, let her, let her be tall. When she stands up and Nick says she was the most terrifying woman I'd ever met, I laugh. You out fucking loud. believe it? Yeah. She, she just she stands up and she just keeps going, and you're like, is there any end to this woman? <laughs> I loved it. Obsessed with her. And she's so good as Jordan. She's amazing. I love her so much. She's, she's just incredible. And I'm glad that this was her introduction to the world. Cause like, she just starts working after this, like, and gets, you know, tons of roles off of this alone. Thank God. She's amazing. And Jordan is really like a character who doesn't have a lot going on. She's just kind of a gossipy broad. That could kind of the so vibe. easily fade into the background if like a lesser actor is playing her. Like truly no one would care about her if it was like somebody mm-hmm. not as like captivating as Elizabeth Debicki. I couldn't tell you who yeah. played it in the 70s version. Oh, I, I can't, can't remember, remember either. either. That's a good question. Also, um, Joel Edgerton fully gives the best performance in this movie, and I will not I'm be talked obs- out of that. I'm obsessed with so The very first note I have is very thankful for the two-toned blue sweater Thomas wearing when we meet him. Yes. <laughs> it is so tight. He looks so good in it, and it brings a very powerful energy. Yeah. I, he, his energy in this movie, unmatched. Like, no one is doing it like him. He's, I forgot yeah. how good he was in this. Yes. I was, I, I, okay, I lied a little bit. I liked this better the second time, <gasps> I will say. It comes I, found, out. I was like, oh, Tom, what, like, Joel Edgerton was really good. Uh, but I, I stand by that I did not like Toby Maguire. No, but, no, Toby Maguire just sucks ass in this movie. He's just ass, straight ass. <laughs> it's so but, sad. Joel Edgerton is so good in this movie because yes, Tom is a brute. He's an asshole. He's a horrible person. We can all establish that. And like, he's very good at doing that brute energy, but it's not like a really one note kind of brute. He really does try to give it texture. He really tries to make Tom feel like a real person as well. Not just like a caricature, um, which I think would be very easy to do with a character like this because it's like, yeah, the guy's an asshole. He's a jerk. He's getting in the way of the main characters, you know, or I guess technically secondary characters struggle here right trying to get with daisy right and he's you know and so he really ends up making it such an interesting character and in particular the scene in the hotel where it finally comes out that like you know gatsby wants daisy to say that tom or she never loved tom and he just is so good there and he's like firing on all cylinders he like when he's like you know I can't even remember exactly what he says but basically when he's like that's not true Daisy like you know that's not true and he's like talking to her and he's like engaging with her and trying to like kind of like manipulate her as well but he also knows it's it's not true because like why else would she have married him right and he knows that Gatsby's a dummy and a, a fool essentially and then he just goes back to being a brute whatever 
And then like in the scene where Myrtle has been killed mm-hmm. and he has to like hold it together and like it's like you see that soft side of him. Like, and I don't mean that in like, ooh, soft boy kind of a way, but like it's like there's this soft weak spot that he has. You that find you out that see. he did actually care. For yes. Him. Yes. Genuinely loved Myrtle, which is shocking <laughs> because I, you yes. wouldn't think that. He is like fully you can like feel his like commitment and love and he is so good. I'm just, I think he's so talented. I want the best for him. And he also like has that moment too, where it's like, he realized he set Gatsby up to basically be killed. And when he tells, um, what's that character's name? When, George. George. When he tells George that Gatsby drives the car, the yellow car that killed Myrtle, even though technically Daisy was driving, but he obviously didn't know that at the time. And you can tell that he like has this moment of I'm setting up this man to be killed. Basically I'm, I'm setting him up or to be arrested, whatever. And it's an ambiguous and interesting look on his face because it's like, he realizes how powerful he kind of is in that moment. He's yeah. just sentenced him to death. Right. Mm-hmm. I, he has all of the power in this story. He's so good. I really, I mean, I really enjoy him in movies and I really, um, I mean, the first movie I think I ever saw him in was the movie Warrior, which is the, the MMA movie with Tom yeah. Hardy. Yeah. And I'm not you know kidding what? you. I that movie kind of slaps. I cried for slaps. like five minutes at the end because it is so emotional and him and Tom Hardy are so good in that movie. Absurd. I That like, movie slaps. He killed it. I He's fantastic in this movie. He's fantastic in Warrior. He was good in Loving. Like, the Green Knight. I'm happy when he shows up. Happy when he shows up and he does the best work here. And that's good. I'm happy for him. Um, also, Carrie Mulligan, I think, is, is really good in this movie, too. And she actually said she she kind of doesn't stand by the performance and that yeah. she was overwhelmed at the time. And I'm like, that's wild to me because I thought she was a very good Daisy person. I did, too. I think she did fine. Yeah, I... I think it's, for me, it's just hard because I fundamentally don't like Daisy, but I don't yeah. think it's that I fundamentally don't like, because I did confuse it for a while where I was like, I don't like what Carrie Mulligan's doing. And like, no, but it's, it's just more like I don't like Daisy. The and character. I, but yeah. what Carrie Mulligan's doing is okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like fundamentally Daisy is like, she really just is there to function as like this person for Gatsby to like fawn over and create memories in his head for and so she doesn't get a ton to do besides like looking wistful and like I hope she's a beautiful beautiful little fool I mean I really I think Daisy's an interesting character in the sense that like yeah she does exist to be a desire for Gatsby right but like she's an interesting commentary on the time because obviously women aren't really given much agency during this time and she's rich so like rich women yeah they have more power but it's like they're expected to basically not do anything like they're just kind of like they exist right like to to languish and chiffon (laughs) as she does the beginning of this movie but like and and for her there's these expectations placed upon her to be that beautiful little fool right and i think that's interesting um and I, but it, I will say, I don't think that's given a ton of exploration in this movie. I don't remember it in the book that well, but I don't really. Same. 
I don't, it's I don't of, think it really was. And I think but like, she was, com- I think she was committed to that idea yes. though. Like she does play Daisy with obviously like the airiness and the whimsical sort of spin to her as she's written, but also there is that undercurrent of sadness present quite a lot in a lot of her scenes. And I really liked that. And I think Carrie Mulligan is a very, um, is very good at, at, at playing those smaller sort of unspoken emotions um, between like this and an education. Yes. Um, she does a lot of good quiet work, which I appreciate, you know, but. I do I, feel like she has sad eyes. She does. She has, she has very sad eyes. They're very, very like round and, and like expressive. She's, she does have, she has great eyes for that. And yeah, I just can't see like Blake Lively playing this part at all. I mean, like absolutely not. No. And I don't I, feel like you know, Blake Lively has the acting depth. No, not now, not ever. No, not at all. And like, again, like this is a role that like with a lesser actress, it's like, who, who cares about Daisy? Yeah. This is a this is a boys club movie. I also think Mia Farrow in the original is a little too wistful, a little too airy, and it doesn't quite work. She is up in the clouds and will not come down. <laughs> She's so lost. She is on a hot air like, balloon just floating away. I feel like she went for the like I am so like out of it. Yeah. That like I will just go wherever, whatever man decides, and like I feel like Mia Farrow played it that way. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Carrie Mulligan was slightly more not calculating, but gives some agency it. to the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess technically, like her fighting against that like lack of agency is her being like, I do want to run away with Gatsby. I do want to be happy with him because you know, that is the man that I was in love with. And, you know, Tom technically isn't that person, right? Um, And like, she's torn, but at the end of the day, she ends up choosing Tom, obviously one, because she committed a murder, but also, or sorry, a manslaughter, but also because it's like, they, I mean- Also Gatsby asks for something she can't do. She can't do, she can't give it to him, but also like Tom is safe and secure. She like, regardless of how badly he treats her, like, there is safety there um it's very much like not dissimilar to like on the sopranos like how carmella will never leave like it's like carmella yeah. for at least the first few seasons it's like i will never leave tony even though he treats me like shit and i hate every moment Real of my marriage Tammy, why not stand by your man stand by your man because <laughs> after all he's just a man a great song by the way um absolutely iconic so with leo the one thing i like is that he walks in here he sees the source material and is like, Gatsby's a fucking weirdo. And I'm going to play that up to its fullest extent. He recognizes that Gatsby is sad. strange and sad. And he- this man, this man des- is in desperate need of some therapy. He has too much money for his own good, honestly. Yeah. And like, it's, he, he really gets the insecurity that Gatsby has, um, and it's like, he he knows that he's weird. He knows he's sad. Like, this is a guy who was best friends with an old man who became like a dad to him. And then like, he also keeps a book full of like clippings about Daisy, like a serial killer. Like, so weird. That's hard in 1920. Yeah, really? 
Yeah, like he put in effort. <laughs> like in 2020, oh, you just do a Google, you put in the Google like alerts, like you're good. Yeah. He's he's coping. He's like he is looking for these clippings. Like he is keeping an eye out for Selena. And <laughs> And not so much the fact that he hides in bushes. Like he's like hiding in bushes at several points, staring out at a green light for several hours of the night. Like, and throws these gigantic parties and doesn't go down and say hi to anybody. He's just like hiding in the shadows at all times. Like he's a fucking weirdo. And I think Leo fully got that. And there's even a quote that he gave that kind of mentions that, where he says, Gatsby is one of the iconic characters because he can be interpreted in so many ways as a hopeless romantic, a completely obsessed wacko or a dangerous gangster clinging to wealth. And I think his performance understands that, all three of those things. Yeah, I agree. True. And I, I, I gotta I, give him credit for that. I mean, he he totally. goes from like zero to one hundred very quickly, as Leo is like prone to do. Yeah. And like in some movies, that does not work. But I think with a character like Gatsby, who is so off the wall and batshit crazy already, that it like works. And the movie itself is so heightened. It's like he's just meet me like meeting what the movie is asking of him because this movie yes. is heightened to an unfathomable degree like everything yeah. about it is just over the top weird right. wild like wacky. this movie was made for 3d we have to remember <laughs> there are scenes when they are driving that i'm like this was 3d the fireworks oh. you're like oh mm-hmm. when they are driving like edward cullen in his little volvo yeah <laughs> absurd absolutely absurd it's i don't know why like it's like, why this movie in 3D of all things, I'll never understand. It's the same thing as the blockbuster thing. It's like, it's wild that this is the, the track you have chosen to take here. But I mean, it makes sense with everything else that's happening in a sense. It's like, of course, why not 3D? Everything else was in 3D at the time. Like we didn't bat an eye. And now you cannot find a movie in 3D even if you wanted to. Like it's truly wild how 3d had a moment during the 2010s and like and then everyone realized it kind of gives you a headache yeah and you can't watch it at home and it's more expensive and yeah it was certainly a time and it was worse whenever a filmmaker would be aware that the movie was being shot in 3d or would make the call to shoot the movie in 3d and then would add in like an f3d easter egg so like in alice in wonderland the tim burton version there's this horrible moment like at the final battle where one of one of the soldiers like stabs his like spear at like the the audience and you're like why is this happening i'm not in a theme park right this is not trek 4d <laughs> not trek 4d <laughs> it's absurd but also speaking of special effects this is the best leo has looked i think in the last 20 years maybe <laughs> And that's saying a lot because a lot of the times in movies, he just kind of shows up looking mostly like himself. There's not really a lot, like they don't do a ton of makeup or, or, you know, like in Inception, he's just Christopher Nolan. Like there's nothing about him. That's like, I would say like, oh, that's like old Leo. You know, he just looks like his age. He just looks like Leo, you know, in the present. It's not really anything particularly exciting. Wolf of Wall Street, he's incredibly orange. Um, so so orange. orange absurdly orange the revenant don't even want to get into that i i can't oh i refuse to watch it 
but I watched this and I'm like, that is the energy of like early or late nineties, early nineties kind of Leo. Like that is the energy that we've been missing. Like this is a man who puts in effort. He looks good. Yes. He's a little tan. Yes. His blonde is like, and his hair is really standing out. Like, but he looks well-maintained. He looks well-groomed. He looks good. He's not doing like his little Jack Nicholson cosplay. Like he looks good in this movie. And like, I'm not even saying that as someone who's like, yes, later, the camera is so sexy. But just like, I'm like, yes, he looks very handsome. I get it. It works for Gatsby. Like you believe this is, this is like an eccentric, handsome, rich yeah. guy who like, just if like, he wasn't parties. handsome people wouldn't go to these parties even if they're good like they would be like <laughs> well, they don't know him so they weird. wouldn't know he's handsome that's true that's true only some of them do <laughs> and he's always getting calls from different cities they're just like philadelphia is on that's the phone. how you know he's that's how you know he's wealthy because he's taking long a lot of calls, calls. <laughs> that's how it works it's like you ask like baz Luhrmann, like how do you know someone's fancy the most Long distance calls. Long I got distance. Philadelphia on the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very that. <laughs> so this movie, we got to talk about the soundtrack because. Yeah, we got to talk about the Jay-Z of it all. This is the thing. This is the thing. Yeah. He pushed Jay-Z. for hip hop. He said. Yeah. He said, I'm executive producer on this. I know what I c- what we can do to make the great Gatsby fun. He said, let's throw a little. I actually think it was the opposite. Baz Luhrmann, I think, approached him for the album and was like, I want you to do this. So Baz Luhrmann already knew going in that this shit was going to be. No, but it was, it was different. Jay-Z pushed for hip hop. Really? Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, regardless, I think he approached Jay-Z first. They had a conversation. Jay-Z said, this is what I want to do. Then Jay-Z became executive producer on the movie as well as the album. So I think that was the chicken before the egg or chicken or the egg situation here. I think, I think the album, it was like a Jack Antonoff doing Love, Simon kind of a situation. But like, then he got upgraded because he's like, I like The Great Gatsby. I like money. I like movies. I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's do this. And it works so well. Like, thank you, Jay-Z, because every needle drop in this movie, it, like, brings my serotonin levels up. (laughs) Unbelievable. I'm like, yes, this is perfect. It's, yeah. I mean, there's so many interesting things happening because there's obviously the originals. So you have, like, Emily Sande doing, like, Crazy in Love. You have Lana doing Young Beautiful, which we will talk about in a second. And you have Florence... And the machine doing over the love, which okay. I love. I think. Can I talk about song. this? Yes, please do, because I also have an opinion on this song in the context of the movie. So I'm a well-known Stevie Nicks stand, yes. but I'm a lesser well-known Florence Welch, Florence the Machine yes. stand. So I have watched every interview I can find yeah. with Florence Welch, and there's one relating to this movie where she's like. I'm not sure that Baz doesn't know I'm not in the movie because he had me sit with the cast at the screening. Yeah. And she's like, I was so confused. I couldn't find my seat. And it was next to Carrie Mulligan. Honestly, iconic. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the weird thing. So this ties into what I was going to talk about. First of all, I think the needle drop in the movie, this is the only one that I will say, I think it's a little wasted. It's like kind of random. And it's such a they dramatic it song that yeah. it like is just They should have used in. it in a better place use 30 seconds to like a minute of it and and it's an amazing song that requires bill yes especially the end i love the end any other singer would sing you know i could see the green light and he, except for lord lord can say I, i'm waiting for it, that green light i want it 
any other singer would do that and you'd be like this is the corniest song ever devised for a movie like I can't she gives it such poetry and meaning and it's beautiful not to mention they have some rando on a piano who they're I think they're kind of pretending that she's like singing the song because of the way the sound echoes and it's not just a like oh Nick woke up after partying too hard and he's drunk no it's fully like they think this girl on the piano is singing it. She's not. I think that also might tie into the cast confusion. And then, you know, it plays over as he's like leaving the party. And that's kind of the end of it. Like there's not really a lot of thought put into the way that that specific song is used. I'm like, produce one more song, produce one more song and then save that somewhere else in the drama of it all. I don't care where, I don't care when. You know, when Gatsby's shot and killed, I don't know, whatever, sure, why not? But otherwise, you know, I love that song. It's very good. People were like- Such a good song. I got into arguments on Tumblr because when the Oscars were happening, people were like, why didn't Young and Beautiful get nominated for Best Original Song? And I literally was like, are you kidding me? I was like, this song, this song with the lyrics, dear Lord, when I get to heaven, please let me bring my man. When he comes, tell me that you'll let him in. Father, tell me if you can. All that grace, all that body, all that fakes makes me want to party. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Honestly, it's so fucking, it's just iconic to me. That song is absolutely iconic. On repeat that whole summer. Um, yes. That was the summer past and future guests, Carolyn and I lived together. Um, and that song played in our home all the time. I listen, I like the song, but that bridge ruined any chances at Oscar oh, gold see, there. I love it, opinion. baby. I'm in. Okay, wait. Okay. Is there what face makes you want to party? Please tell me oh, right now if there's I a could face tell, out there. I that could makes say you like party. many of them. Like everybody I've ever stayed. I just I'm curious. Adam like, Driver, Dove Cameron. Last night, Joel Edgerton and Alicia Vikander, all that face, all that body makes me want to party. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I think you could also take this a separate way where like you dislike the face and body so much that you need to drink. You need to get away and you so have to party. It's me so thinking true. about Jared Leto in the House of Gucci trailer. Don't threaten me with Jared Leto. Please don't. Get out. It makes, You're not allowed he to makes me want to party, but so I could forget, you know? Yeah. He makes me want to get as blacked out as I did watching this movie for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, also, I, little, also oh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say in some honorable mentions on the soundtrack, I like the back in black. Oh, not back in black. Back to back black. To black. <laughs> back to black cover by Beyonce and Andre 3000. Um, Beyonce said, I will show up for exactly five minutes. Yeah. I will do one take and I will leave. Thank you, Sean. She'll do it right. She, she will no do questions. it right. She was incredible. Um, I also love the random inclusion of No Church to the Wild, especially the beginning. That's one of my favorites. That is, I feel like it works so well. It's incredible. Perfect. But it's also deranged because when they zoom into Toby McGuire's face and there's the auto-tune, yeah, <laughs> I laughed out loud. That's very it's, funny. That's one of my favorite needle drops. No Trish in the Wild goes so hard. And Boz Lerman When says, you are watching a car commercial or when you are in a movie theater watching a trailer and that song drops. You know you're about to have a good time. Oh yeah, baby. You're like, I'm going to go see that opening day. Thank you very much. Same with A Little Party Never Killed Nobody. Like- 
the other week I was in a sculpt class dying and that song came on and it revived me I was like (laughs) a little party (laughs) power of Fergie like you're right let's go yeah like I was like wow if I were in a cycling class I'd be like I can do one more literally I was like I can do 50 more squats it's fine let me throw a little because Fergie can yes yeah exactly it is the song that comes on and you are throwing ass immediately there is no question throwing ass in a circle it's happening like you are locked in and it's incredible it unlocks a part of your brain um that I think we often don't have access to truly um oh I also forgot to mention this little tidbit which I just found very funny so Jeff Robinoff, who is the WB exec, asked Baz Luhrmann if the movie would be ready for Christmas because that was the original date that they were proposing. And I believe in like 2012. So it would have come out like a year earlier. And then Luhrmann said yes. And then he asked him, will the movie want you make to be, sorry, will the movie you want to make be ready for Christmas? And Luhrmann replied no. And was then given a few more months to work on the film in post-production. Wild. And to me, it's wild because this is so not a Christmas movie. I think it releasing at Christmas yeah. could have worked in terms of like making money, but I do not think it makes any sense to be a Christmas movie on any level. This yeah. is, this I mean, is that's not a, the one this thing. This is a summer movie. This is, that's why we're doing it, right? This is like, this feels so summer. These parties feel so like extravagant and we're here to celebrate pool, good weather. The pool, the scene where they have you know, where they're at the plaza and they're like all sweating. Like the whole thing is that when you watch, or not watch this movie, when you read the book in high school, that the teacher hammers home the symbolism and the fact that like it being set in summer is like the point, you know, it's entirely part of the plot. It's entirely like part of the symbolism. It's supposed to be summer. So I just don't understand the idea of releasing a movie that is set in summer in the middle of winter, quite honestly. Like I don't, it's like releasing a Christmas movie. It's like in the summertime, which technically the Green Knight is a Christmas movie, but that doesn't even read because everything else is so weird. But yeah. <laughs> this movie just fundamentally, I think, would not be the same in terms of like gross and everything else if it came out in the wintertime. Not to mention the soundtrack is like, yes. you're going to go outside and you're going to throw ass with your friends and whether it's at the club, whether it's at some outdoor thing, a picnic, I don't care. Yeah. Or by the pool. Like this is, this is a soundtrack that you were meant to drive with the windows down to. That's literally like what we did that summer. And it was like at all of the, like a little party never killed nobody at the frat pregames for football games that season. Like it was like, it was everywhere. You were outdoors, you were darting, you were listening to the soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, no, fully. Um, Also speaking of symbolism, this might also be me, but I don't think it will be just me. I almost felt as if he took the symbolism and then really drove it home to the most obvious degree. Yeah, like fully just beating you over the head with it. And part of me had to wonder two things. One, is it just because this is Baz Luhrmann and this thing is already a soap opera? Or is it because we're literally seeing it translated in a movie and I think we already know the symbols going in, so maybe that makes it 10 times more obvious? I'm not quite sure. I I think some of these symbols don't translate yeah. well to a visual medium because like 
in the book, so like take the the billboard with the eyes of the eyes of D- sorry the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg. You will put respect in his name. Eckelberg, man, yeah. So he like you mention it in the book and you you picture it, but in the movie it's like this. yeah they zoom in yeah fully doing like the, the David Lynch forehead shot on the billboard yeah oh my god it's just every time they drive through the ash place. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it would have been effective if they had shown it like one time when they went to the Valley of Ashes, but then it was like every single time. Farther back in the following scenes, it did not need a close-up every time. Like when It needed to be this big. When Myrtle, it needed to take up 5% It's like of the when screen. Myrtle is killed, it's like might as well cut to the billboard, right? You know, like stuff like that. It, like we get it. The eyes see all. That's the idea. I think Valley of Ashes technically works because it's like this is a heightened version just as much as the parties are heightened to a degree that is almost unfathomable um and then like I almost was like they're not sweaty enough (laughs) for some of these scenes they are so sweaty in the 1974 movie I will say that is what the 1974 movie does very well there must have been a devoted mister on that. somebody watched dog day afternoon and said we have to get the sweat man on the line like (laughs) We have no other option. Like, we must meet this movie at its sweatiest, right? Like, this is... Like, the only time they really, really sweat is, like, in the Plaza Hotel scene. Like, that's the only time anyone's got, like, a drop of sweat on their forehead, you know? Um, And then I also remember color being a huge part of the symbolism in the book. But I feel like there's so much visually happening that I almost, like, don't even think it's necessarily always present like i think like the chiffon when daisy's first introduced is like one of the most obvious ones it's like white so obvious yeah and it's it's just Mm -hmm. like flittering about for no reason i don't understand what was going on there it makes me laugh every time um what was the chiffon budget please tell me and i guess like in the apartment um or no not the well yeah the apartment that Tom and Myrtle own it's like red with like a little bit of green sparkled around or sprinkled around it and then I believe like the plaza hotel room also is like kind of red so I guess that's like it but everything else kind of is just like you know like yeah Gatsby wears like a pink suit at one point because that's like a plot point or that's like part of the right. dialogue of the book but I I think the problem is that the rest of the colors are so just loud and bright in this movie and it's very like visually very like shiny that you like that kind of gets lost but for some reason the eyes of D- dr tj eckelberg are the thing that he solely chose to focus on it's so that in the green and the light, green light where it's up. just like the green light starts small and then we'll just I'm like i i get it i can yeah, see you're supposed light. to focus on it i understand but i'm like do people not get it like are there people who don't understand this there probably are yeah and considering oh, yeah. it's like Yes, everybody read the book. And yes, we all were in high school and we all heard this. But it's like, I guarantee you there are people who had not read this who are just going in because they see Leo and Toby and they're like, oh, it's a summer movie. I'll get out of the house for an hour, right? And maybe don't know anything about it. So maybe they need that. I don't know. Maybe also something to like make the people who are like, I don't like books, but I did like The Great Gatsby because I read it in high school. It's to be like, look, the green light, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Making I... connections, right? I... And it's funny because I don't think him overemphasizing the light or the eyes comes from a place of like the audience is stupid. I think it's just him being like, 
I'm Baz Luhrmann. Of course, I'm going to overemphasize these elements because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm very into the drama of it all. (laughs) Yes. Like he doesn't feel like a particularly pretentious filmmaker, which I kind of like. He's very uncomplicated in that sense. No, totally. But he, even like in Romeo and Juliet, everything is like very, here it is, just in your face. Yeah. He, He leaves nothing to be... nothing to the imagination yeah it's all just there what is there is what is there in the text it's there's not a ton of digging you really have to do in a sense um but I will give him credit you know because Baz Luhrmann is 100% a director you either hate or you love and sometimes it varies movie to movie right like I personally love Moulin Rouge I like Moulin Rouge a lot I think it's a fun time I I enjoy it I like Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, I will never see Australia, so don't make me watch it. Um, but it's a no for me. But this movie I enjoy. I'm out. And I give him credit because I think at the end of the day, you go to see a Baz Luhrmann movie. And that's what you're getting. You know, you cannot complain when you come out because you know what you're getting into. It's very like people going into old and being like, this movie sucks. And I'm like, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You knew you were taking a risk when you went in to see it. That is on you. You could have waited for it to get onto one, two, three movies like the rest of us if you were that desperate to watch it. I'm just saying. And I gotta give him credit too because some directors are just, there's no extra style or substance. They just make very standard whatever movies. But his movies are never boring. I'll say that. There's always something happening. He tries for something. And that to me is always more admirable than like a Ron Howard type who just like exists and just make movies. It's more like like, a studio system-esque. Like that don't have a ton of like personal. I appreciate that this movie like really swings for the fences and there are times it goes over and it it's their home run baby. And then there's sometimes that you're like, okay, we could have done this like a little different, but I appreciate the effort regardless. I love the level of commitment. I like how much he tried. And I think you're just exactly right that it's going to be your cup of weird tea or it's not going to be your cup of weird tea. Yeah. But yeah it's really something (laughs) to me i think the most interesting choices he makes are not having a traditional score and having the jay-z produced soundtrack i think that's an interesting choice and then i think the wild like fast and furious-esque race scenes are also really wild like those are really interesting choices like they don't really i really think they were like fuck we have to really use this 3d technology so this is the best place to do it vroom vroom just call me Charlie XCX from Vroom. <laughs> How dare you? Also, obviously, I'm back Chan being in this movie as Meyer Wolfsheim will never not be wild to me. It's like such a random I choice. I did not catch that the first time, but then I double checked. I'm like, isn't he? And then I'm like, oh, he's playing an Ashkenazi Jew, right? Which was an interesting choice because it's like, in some ways, they kind, I guess by casting him, they technically make the character seem less like a stereotype because you're not expecting him to be in the role, right? Like, if that makes any sense. Then he's still named Wolfsheim. Then he still has the name Wolfsheim. And then 
Joel Edgerton calls him a slur later. Like, I'm like, what? I'm like, why couldn't we just ask that and change that? Like, that's the one thing we could have really changed even more so because I think he did still tone down a little bit of the anti-Semitism, but like, yes, this character just, does yeah, it's like better than the book, but like, we could have just like, it's not necessary. We didn't need it. Yeah, it's like the advice is not to take it from an eight to a four. It's to take it from an zero. eight to a zero. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. Yeah. I, it, it's a difficult character to, to discuss because I don't necessarily know if there was a ton given to like him being a stereotype in English class. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I like, I didn't remember his character. I just remembered him being a gangster and that was like all I kind of remembered and then it's like watching this you're like oh yeah you're like oh fuck okay I forgot yeah like it could have been I think a hundred times worse but I'm not saying that's a good thing it's interesting choice this is also his like first like I believe like English language Hollywood film Mm -hmm. which also is very wild that this is the role that he chooses to do this for what I would like to see his face when his like agent was explaining to him what this role was. He's like, think he read the and book? I feel like he was like, how much will they pay me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, did he read the book? Okay. Did he, was he fine? Is it, what's the guy's name? Wolfman? Okay. <laughs> it's a, it's a tricky, tricky um, character, um, which is wild because even in that like five key changes made in the book thing I was reading from, it was like, oh yeah. And then like, they toned down some of the racism and the anti-Semitism. I'm like, how racist is this book again? I, it's been a minute since I've read it, but I mean, it's the way been that literally, talking, it's been 13 years since I've read this book, 14 years. I don't remember it. And like, I fully forgot just how awful Tom is. So like when he's like throwing out slurs, I was like, hold on a second. I was like, damn, Tom really fucking hold sucks. On. Hold on. Like I literally shot up straight I could I was like wow I did not remember this happening I also did not not that this is even on the same level also did not remember them fully like allowing us to hear Myrtle and Tom having sex like I forgot about that as well I was like this is a PG-13 movie we saw this for English class in the movie theater that's crazy to me that you guys were like in high school (laughs) oh yeah I was like 16 maybe yeah what a time and in the same year i saw the old movie this movie and read the book i was going with like you, my monocle on i had my notes you were I was in the great gatsby you were in it i we had to do presentations on like 1920s stuff it was too much because i didn't really like this book that much that's why i'm not <laughs> i was like it's fine yeah, i liked it a lot but you know i been a long time I, I truly it. don't remember having any opinion on it. and that's how I felt I was like I was like I feel like people kind of hyped it I feel like it would have been better if they hadn't hyped it so much <laughs> I feel like I would have liked it if I just found it by accident but also two of the other changes which I do want to go through because they're kind of pertinent to my notes as well so first of all we have Gatsby's entrance which obviously is is different than is in the book so you know, in this movie, he obviously has the Baz Luhrmann, like, fireworks, the music is swelling, it's like, he's holding the champagne glass, like, 
in that moment and having like a movie star moment, right? Yes. And it works. I think it's incredible. I also just am obsessed with him talking to Toby Maguire and us not really seeing his face. And like Toby Maguire kind of like repeating all of these rumors that he's heard about Gatsby to him. And then it's like this, like, <laughs> it's Britney bitch moment of him being like, the I'm beat Gatsby. Drops. <laughs> yeah. I love that. After he has embarrassingly shown that invitation around the whole party. I'm like, what kind what of dweeb are you? I, Stop I, showing I the invite. I wrote, what a yes. fucking loser. I literally... I wrote, I wrote dweeb. I was like, dweeb. I also wrote, oh, I wrote, Nick, you're a loser. Just go in. (laughs) I also wrote, of course, Toby Maguire would be the kind of person to show an invite around a party. Yeah. That's like the one time that I'm like, oh, he's correctly cast in this specific moment. It makes sense. I, you know, and then him getting totally embarrassed by Gatsby being like, hello, old sport. (laughs) And Old also part. that that specific image was on Tumblr. It was a gif for ages. I remember seeing it constantly passed around, whether it was New Year's Eve or it was someone dunking on somebody in the supernatural fandom. It didn't matter. It had a grip on Tumblr, not dissimilar to the way that Stoker also had a grip on the sad girls on Tumblr who listened to Teen Idol over and over and over again. But yeah, so I love that. I think that works. It's great. It also really captures that like movie star quality of Leonardo DiCaprio that like has been kind of missing sometimes. Um, And then also the other big thing that was changed was that Gatsby dies thinking his pursuit of Daisy was successful. And I actually like that change. I like that change as well. It's happier. Yeah. It's not even just that it's happier. It's that I think it fits more with like if Gatsby were a real person, he would not let it go. He would never let it go. He would delude himself into thinking that he had succeeded with Daisy, right? And it makes sense for the way that Leo is playing it. And I I like that about it. It's just, because he really, by the end, is so delusional. Like when he comes out of those bushes, you're like, bro, give it up, please. Like, come on. Like you're really, it's just like kind of pathetic at this point. I mean, it's been pathetic the whole time, but now it's like, extra he's just so sad when he's like let's go for a swim and nick is like i have to work some of us work dude he lives in this little this little small house next to gatsby's castle Better than, which is nicer than it's my so house. nice it's such it's, a nice house yeah and it's like this dude has to go to work he cannot afford to like <laughs> to dawdle like you all he's got things to pay for gatsby and he is not a bootlegger (laughs) for real i just uh and in general also like the gigantic cgi like a mansion that tom and daisy live in is very funny to me as well because of course it's like the old it's like it's like the biltmore in north carolina you know what i mean it's like very like, like it's so interesting that like their that house is like so sparse compared to like myrtle's like the little where he goes to have an affair is like so like eccentric to let you know mm-hmm. that like yeah he's old money because he you know married into old money he is old money whatever but then like she's got gaudy taste because she's 
she's not, she's poor herself, but she's yeah. mingling with old money. And so you kind of have this new money sensibility because now she has all this freedom to decorate this apartment and this little tiny dog. Yeah. Which I, I'm obsessed with. Um, and also, I just want to point out, I'm obsessed with the Watchmen-esque way that she dies in this movie. Literally like the- com- I didn't remember her like staying no, in the air that not at all. first time. It is like the comedian in the beginning of the movie Watchmen falling out of the window. Like it is exactly like that. Down to like the Jack White needle drop. Not that there's a Jack White needle drop in Watchmen, but that seems like a song that, that Zack Snyder would play over that moment specifically. And it's even worse because the song is Love is Blindness, which is, you know, yeah, it's such a literal needle drop, but it's like kind of absurd. It's very funny. I just, everything is so heightened. It's so over the top, but for some reason, this like Snyder Cut-esque death just is like so funny. And it, it, it works in the context of the movie, but also, like you said, Maggie, I didn't remember it being that dramatic. <laughs> I just like to imagine them, like, in the editing room being like, how many seconds should we leave her in the air? And then Boslerman being like, add three seconds. Yeah, longer. Longer. Just longer. Make it longer. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, more. He is Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi going, more. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, throw her higher and leave her up there. <laughs> like, can we get her at the at level of Dr. Dr. Eckelberg? Do it. Literally. So the eyes are literally watching her die. Because they see everything. The eyes of God. I also just want to know that production was briefly delayed when director Boz Lerman was hit in the head by a moving camera crane, having to then receive three stitches. A wild way to get injured on set, especially on a movie like this. Can't duck. <laughs> You'll have to be quicker than that. It's not, he was not quick on his feet. Do you think when he got hit in the head, it was like a, it was like a Myrtle moment? Was, was he like flying through the air? Was Jack White playing? That play that was the inspiration. He was like, he was like, wait, when you get hit, you spend a few more seconds in the air. (laughs) I know for a fact. So he's injured greatly. Um, Also relevant to that. I just, you know, we we talked about their apartment, but I also just am obsessed with the party that they throw in that apartment with like maybe like seven people, and they're all small kickback. They're getting fucked up deliriously drunk and like I can't stop is playing over it which is very funny and it's just a really great contrast to the gigantic parties that Gatsby throws and then the fact that like I would say the 1920s equivalent of waking up with like a lampshade on your head is like him waking up with like a Jason Mraz hat (laughs) like a straw fedora not the Jason Mraz hat hideous do we have any any final thoughts on The Great Gatsby? I think it is a fine movie. I think people um, judged it too harshly. Yeah. I think we should all go back to saying old sport. I think no. that <laughs> Tobey Maguire is terrible in this movie and he should stick to being the boss baby or whatever, um, even though he quit that. Um, and I just, you know, 
I mean, let's just let Elizabeth Debicki be tall. Let let I think be tall. I think it is an interesting artifact. And that is all I have to say about that old sport. I have two thoughts. Um, So one of them, you know how Gatsby lies about going to Oxford? It reminded me of when I was going into college. So I was 18 years old. You know, we're all there. Like we're all like in the freshman group getting to know each other. We meet this girl. Let's call her Rebecca. And she lives next to me and her best friend, let's say Megan, we're also, she's also going to our college, but they're not there. She's living in a different dorm. And we're always like, where's Megan? Like, we want to meet Megan. And she goes, I don't, I don't know where Megan is. Megan was not going to IU and had lied to her best friend for like several months. And was actually going to a different university in a different town. Wow. <laughs> what? We do not have time yeah. to unpack that, but what? <laughs> they stayed friends. Wow. I literally have had a friendship wow. end over something not dissimilar <laughs> to that. What? When we found out Megan was lying to Rebecca, we're like, why? What's why the would point? You- we think she was embarrassed. Like maybe she didn't get in. Wow. I it was a wild story. And then so then my final thought, I just wrote manipulative and then underlined man. Because I'm deep. Yeah. <laughs> do you mean like one specific man or do you mean like humanity? Um I mean, I wrote it first about Gatsby because I I wrote it when he was like, you have to tell him you never loved him. But then I was like, wow. Like a third rate, like bachelor contestant or bachelorette contestant who is like, no, Katie, you don't love them. You love me. Yeah. Yeah. Very bad. Yep. So that was my very, that was my final note, my very deep thought note. Um, My, my final note is that I, I went into this movie remembering that I had seen it not knowing anything because I did not remember it and I actually had a really good time watching it and if you're like god the great Gatsby wasn't that movie terrible I would invite you to uh re what's the word revisit thank Praise. you revisit it Praise. with yeah um an open mind and um just go for the vibes yeah Go for the music, go for the parties. At it's least gorgeous. listen to the soundtrack. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and to say um, it is not dissimilar from the Snyder Cut. Yeah. It is, it is the Snyder Cut for literary nerds. And you can take that one of two ways. You can take that to mean it is an insult in terms of filmmaking it is an insult to the source material. You could say that, or you could take it that it is one director's complete vision that is saying something. It's trying to do something. I'm not necessarily defending the Snyder Cut, but but it comes from an authentic. It comes place. from an authentic yes. place. Zack Snyder is a himbo. Zack Snyder is a himbo. And Baz Luhrmann is a wife guy. He is a, to- a total wife guy. 
I do it. He's like, look, I'm just going to make these cool movies. My wife's going to win a bunch of Oscars yeah. for them. And we're going to put that in our less cool designed house than Maggie expected. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. For this week's about the plot. I'm so excited for this one, guys. I'm, I'm so excited for this one. Um, Maggie will be guessing the plot to um, none other than the absolute classic banger of a movie, Jupiter Ascending. Okay. I really so, am interested to hear what's going to happen here. Now, do you need anything? Do you like, is there something you would like to ask us before you proceed on this journey? Um, can I ask who directed it? The, it's the Wachowskis. The Wachowskis. <laughs> the Wachowskis? <laughs> that helps and that also doesn't yeah. help. You know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, I get you. Okay, so I will tell you what I know for a fact-ish. Mm-hmm. It came out in the last decade. Yeah. Um, it has Mila yeah. Kunis, Channing yep. Tatum, and that guy I think is annoying. Eddie Sean Bean. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne. <laughs> Eddie I, Redmayne. I don't. I like said him. Sean Bean, but I know that you like Lord of the Rings, so I don't know how you feel about it's, him. Is Eddie Redmayne? Oh, I I I like Sean Bean. I didn't know Sean Bean was in it. Interesting. Okay. And so what I know is that Mila Kunis and um, Channing Tatum are working together. I think things are like interplanetary in some aspects, but I I get the feeling that it has nothing to do with the planet Jupiter. I do not think. (laughs) I think that's a misleading title situation. I think that's something else probably. Um, and I know Eddie Redmayne, he seems like he's royal. So maybe he's like some powerful spaceman. Um, and, uh, Mila Kunis is a threat to him somehow. Because I vaguely remember that like in the trailer, she didn't know what was going on or something like that. That's all I Me remember. Me watching so that's it. That's why I feel like she- <laughs> I feel like she's like not necessarily like an interloper, but like she caused trouble. Um, and so what I'm going to guess is spaces, space, planets, fighting, blah blah blah. Channing Tatum and Neela Kunis somehow defeat Eddie Redmayne, and then they probably make out <laughs> and then become king and queen of a planet or all of the planets. Do, what do you think is the, the why, why do you think Mila Kunis's character is such a threat? Is there anything that's like, other than being a troublemaker, do you think is there something deeper? Like, is there a, a hidden thing happening here? So I'm going to go off now what I know about the Wachowski. <laughs> is it Wachowski or Wachowska? Wachowskis. Ease. Okay. She's special for some reason. She's the only, she's a special girl, you know, in that way where it's like, honestly kind of like YA fiction where it's like she's the only one that <laughs> yeah and you're like oh my god it was kind of dumb. very cat like how Neo is the one yeah um yeah so she's special <laughs> somehow some way is she an and, alien? And, is she, she an alien like is she from like oh I don't know is everybody an alien oh yes. the answer to that is gonna shock you <laughs> Everybody is an alien. I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, because Channing Tatum has weird ears or something, right? He's a weird everything in that movie. I thought he was an elf. <laughs> He's, okay, oh, no, um, the, the real let answer let is going to I, I, I can't wait to reveal what Channing Tatum was. Channing Tatum was- The real answer. In fact, oh my God. a half wolf, half man, and he has Heelys in space. He's the space furry? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, Sean Bean is a is a bee. A bee? A bee. And, and Mila he Kunis. He at one point. Well, um, I guess this is connected to what Sky's gonna say, but at one point he utters the line, bees recognize royalty. And do you know and I recognize Mila Kunis out loud? Because her name she is, Jupiter, is so by the way. Her name she is, is Jupiter. Yeah. <laughs> The titular Jupiter, very goodwill hunting. Of course, her name is Jupiter. She is the, like the chosen one. That's like kind of the vibe. She's like, isn't she like a princess? The Wachowskis yeah. love a chosen one. She's like a princess, but like she like, but something like she somehow got to Earth. That's like kind of the vibe. And that's why they're like, that's why in the trailer, it's like Channing Tatum being like, come with me and like saving her ass. Okay, that's what I thought that she like didn't know what was going on. Also, whatever hair color, or I feel like there was something weird with this. It was blonde. It was very weird. It was, and it's not a good did color. Not, they also like hair. bleached his eyebrows. They did like the Thor thing to him that they did to Chris Hemsworth in the first Thor. Very upsetting. Um, Eddie Redmayne is walking around, just screaming the whole time. But basically, I just Mila like Kunis gets. Um, she is just like she has the identical genetics to the person to the woman who ruled Earth. So she owns yes. Earth. Mila Kunis <laughs> owns Earth in this. Capitalism, baby. <laughs> and and um, Eddie Redmayne yeah. is like, uh, basically he's trying to get control of Earth because he is using like a something to make him young all the time. And that is like, that. Earth is like the next place that he's like, I'm ready. I gotta be young and hot. But he's not hot. He doesn't want to go to the beach that makes you old. That's pretty damn sure. Yeah. Also, just like as a fun fact, in Mila Kunis's like own personal birth chart, Jupiter is ascending in her chart, which makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, okay. So wait, she was born in the Ukraine, yes, right? Correct. Yeah. So I do you remember Shelby when we were in high school? What was that trivia app that was really popular? <gasps> Was it Trivia Crack? Trivia Crack, for yes. sure. Yes, okay. So that Trivia Crack. And entertainment was one of the categories. And I would always play against the guy I was dating at the mm-hmm. time. But we, we would play other people, too. And so we would ask each other questions when we weren't playing each yeah. other. And so he goes, Mila Kunis was born in the, the U.S., right? I was like, oh, no, no, she was born in, the, uh, in, in Ukraine. And he was playing against <laughs> me, this bitch. So then, weeks later, I bide my time. I'm still furious. He used my knowledge against me. He goes, "Hey, what did um? What was the movie that Jared Leto won the Oscar for? Dallas Buyers." And he goes, "It was Dallas Buyers Club." Right? I was like, "No, no, no, no. It was that different HIV movie." Um, I, and I knew I was like, "They're gonna put a different movie that has HIV." And I was like. Is Philadelphia Story an option? <laughs> Philadelphia, not Philadelphia Story. <laughs> oh, thank you. Philadelphia. That's the second I time this mistake is the middle of August. 
amazing. So I was like, is Philadelphia an option? And he goes, it is. I'm like, yeah, I think it's Philadelphia. He's like, are you sure? I was like, mm-hmm. And he got it wrong. He threw his phone. Wow. That's how we should have known that relationship was not meant to last. It was built on lies. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm crying. Um, Jupiter ascending is a sight to behold. It's certainly a movie. Did it make its money back? It's a great question. I don't think so. I want to <laughs> say I had no. to take a wild guess. It looks like it cost a lot yeah, of yeah. money. That it did. Okay. It looked like a lot yeah, of all the money went to paying. No. The answer is yeah, no. of course not. <laughs> how much? But how much did it make? Classic um, 183 against a 200. <sighs> Yikes! 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 Versus The Great Gatsby, which made like at least twice its something. budget or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, really, actually, all that money they spent, it really went to paying Vanessa Kirby. <laughs> Just kidding. She she's in it for five seconds. She's barely in it. <laughs> if I were making a movie, I would give her all my money, though. Maybe wouldn't you? I mean. I no. would. I love her. She carried Hobbs and Shaw. I was about to say she Hobbs and Shaw sort of works because of her. And we're all even though she's like incapacitated for ninety percent of the movie, still works. <sighs> anyway, anyway, we gotta end this. Um, Maggie, I can't remember <laughs> if you plugged your anything last time. If you would like to plug something, you don't have to. Don't feel pressured. Yeah. Um. To Venmo me. <laughs> I'm good. Um, <laughs> as far as we go, you can find us on social media on Twitter at blessedpick and on Instagram at blessed.picture. Please feel free to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. And you can get this podcast anywhere you listen to them Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast. Um, recommend us to your friends, your family who own houses across from the people they're pining for. So they put a green Your old up. sports. Your old sports, if you will. That's all yeah. I got. And that's everything. And to that I say, you mean tonight, boo-boo club-wise. <laughs>